Anyway, about three nights ago, I saw something that I still can't fully understand or explain. First, a little background. I live in mid-Michigan in a small residential-slash-suburban town surrounded by cornfields. You know the type. However, I do live in the more populated area as my parents' house, where I currently reside, is located within walking distance of our downtown. Our street is by no means desolate, dark, or isolated, and most of the houses are fairly close to one another. A pretty urban setting given the town itself. Okay, back to the other night. It was about 2.30 a.m., and since it's pretty normal for me to be up that late, me and my dog have developed what I call our little routine. He comes to my door, lets out a huff, to inform me that he's there, and then we go downstairs where I let him outside through the front door to go to the bathroom. After completing his business, he comes in, we share a share of midnight snack of ham, straight from the fridge low. Now keep in mind, my dog is extremely well-trained and very old. He doesn't need a leash or a fence to keep him from running away. He always comes right back after he's done. He'll even wait at the door if you aren't there. So on this particular night, I open the door for him, and I'm just about to turn and walk away so I can prepare our midnight snack when I notice he's still standing on the porch staring across the street. This isn't completely out of the norm for him, but this was lasting a bit longer than usual. When he finally jumps off the porch, I follow his line of sight where he had been staring, and I see what looks like a large dog or maybe even a wolf slinking across my neighbor's yard on the other side of the street. For the first few seconds, I'm trying to figure out what this thing is because it looks like it could be a dog. But something isn't right. It's too long, and the way it's moving isn't normal. And even though it was only about 50 feet away, it looked as though it were blurry. I can't think of any other way to describe it. None of it made sense. At this point, I go into panic mode because so far this creature hasn't seemed to notice me or my dog. But if it does... My dog doesn't stand a chance. Like I said, he's old, and also Pomeranian. Whatever this thing was, it would destroy him, no doubt. I decide to slowly open the outer glass door, hoping to create just enough noise to alert my dog that it's time to come in, but not enough for whatever that thing is to hear me, too. Luckily, my dog notices right away and starts running back towards me. But at the same time, this dog creature starts turning toward me slowly. It almost felt fake how unnatural it moved, like animatronics or something. I'm not even sure what I'm looking at, but I have this indescribable feeling that I'm not supposed to be seeing this. So, as this thing is turning to look at me, my dog is coming through the door simultaneously, and for about one second, I take my eyes at the creature, the thing to look down at my dog and close the door. When I look back up, this thing has moved about 30 feet to the left into my neighbor's driveway rather than their yard and is standing on its hind legs at around 7-8 feet tall, staring at me. Now I'm really freaking out. How did it move so quickly? And how did it not make a single sound? How is it so tall? I literally looked away for maybe a second. I look away again to lock the door and gather myself, only to look again and see absolutely nothing. It was gone. This whole ordeal only lasted maybe twenty, thirty seconds total. Shaken, I give my dog his ham and mine, and I run downstairs to my brother's room in the basement to tell him what happened. 
Being a normal 19-year-old playing video games, his response was, wow, that's super weird. But honestly, I just needed to tell someone to confirm that what just happened actually happened and that I wouldn't wake up the next day and convince myself it was a dream. Over the last few days, I've told anyone who would listen about what I saw, including my parents. Those who are closer to me seemed a bit more unnerved because, like I mentioned earlier, I don't usually believe in this type of thing. They could tell I was shaken by whatever it was that I saw. Tonight, after some random googling as the result of my restless mind, I came across what appears to be the exact description of what I saw. The dogman, which eventually led me to this thread, and I've never heard anything about it before, but I am now fully convinced I saw one in front of my very own eyes, and it saw me too. I was in my last year before retiring from the Army and was going through a divorce. My soon-to-be ex went back to Texas with my two girls, and I planned to move closer to them once my retirement was official. I rented a small two-bedroom in Tennessee in a town called Indian Mound. Indian Mound was out of the way and really isolated. My commute sucked, but it was cheap and peaceful. I had no neighbors. Across the street was all conservation land for miles. On one side and around the back of the property was a swamp. On the other side, the closest house was out of shouting distance. I enjoyed living there initially. Before this, I lived in the suburbs, and all the noise, people, and traffic drove me crazy. One night, I came home around one in the morning from a concert in Nashville. It was early spring, and it was somewhat foggy out. The driveway dipped down, and the house was about an eighth mile from the road. As I pulled in, I saw a huge black dog standing in the front yard. looked like a black lab or lab mixed breed. It stood with its head up and its tail straight up. It was fixed on me. I slowly pulled my car up, unsure what to do next, when it turned and ran into the swamp. I didn't think much of it and went inside. Over the following few months, things started happening at night. I would always wake up around three or so in the morning thinking I heard voices outside my window. Sometimes it sounded like someone, or a couple of people were whispering to each other, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. Sometimes I would hear footsteps and movement outside. I thought it was maybe a deer or that dog, but when I looked out, I saw nothing. This type of shit continued for months. One night I woke up to a noise and saw it was 2.57. A bright white light shone through the porch glass doors. I ran out into the kitchen and looked through the small sink window, and it looked like someone was out in the swamp, shining a spotlight. It was one of those high-powered lights used in search and rescue. It was blinding and lit up the whole kitchen. I opened the back doors and ran out onto the porch, yelling I was calling the cops. The light went out, and I heard someone moving away from the house through the swamp. Cops came out and took a report and told me to ensure my doors were locked and to call if anything else happened. I was hyper, vigilant for the next few days. I checked behind me when I was coming and going and always slept with the shades drawn and doors locked. The footsteps around the house continued. Some nights, I thought I could hear a dog panting outside my window, although I never found tracks or saw signs of an animal in the morning. Things died down after a while, and I was about three months away from the end of my lease. I woke up around three in the morning. Scared out of my mind, 
I was sleeping and heard a woman calling my name in my dream. I opened my eyes and realized it was a dream. When I heard the voice call my name again, clear as day, I shot up out of bed and turned on the lights. I checked in the closet and under the bed. I opened the bedroom door and listened out in the hallway. I couldn't hear anything and was about to cut the lights and go back to bed when someone started pounding on my front door. I nearly jumped out of my skin. It was like someone was bashing the door with a sledgehammer. I yelled out that I had a gun and to get the F off my property. I said I called the cops and I'll blow your head off before they get here. The pounding stopped. Cops came out again and took another report. There was no visible damage to the door or footprints around the property. It all just stopped after that. I did buy a them, but the rest of my time renting there was without incident. I'm back in Texas, in an apartment complex, and the burbs, and I don't mind, the backwoods of Tennessee were a creepy place. I have been a park ranger in Jasper National Park for over ten years now, and every day I am in awe of its beauty. The rolling hills, dense forests, and crystal clear lakes paint a picture of serenity and peace. But beneath the calm exterior lies a dark and mysterious world unknown to most. One day, while on patrol, I stumbled upon a lifeless body of one of my colleagues. He was a seasoned ranger, much like myself, and it was unimaginable to see him in such a state. The cause of his death was unknown, but there were signs of struggle and deep gashes on his body. I knew it was my duty to find out what happened to my friend and uncover the truth. I started my investigation and spoke to the other rangers, but no one had seen or heard anything out of the ordinary. The more I dug, the more I realized that there was a creature in the park that was responsible for the death of my friend. An unknown bipedal predator, described by some as a monster, had been spotted in the park, and it was evident that it attacked my friend. I felt a deep sense of responsibility to keep the park-goers and my fellow rangers safe, and I knew that I had to find this creature. I remembered hearing about an abandoned cave deep in the park, and I had a feeling that it held the answers I was looking for. I set out on a journey to the cave, and as I entered I felt a chill run down my spine. The air was musty and damp, and there was a feeling of unease that I couldn't shake. As I ventured deeper into the cave, I stumbled upon something that made my heart drop. There, in the depths of the cave, was a ghost from the past. It was the spirit of a Native American warrior who had died in the cave many years ago. He had a story to tell, and he needed my help to rest in peace. He told me that the creature I was searching for was a manifestation of his anger and hatred. He had died in the cave, betrayed by someone he trusted, and his spirit had been unable to find peace. I realized then that the creature was not just a physical threat, but a spiritual one as well. I needed to find a way to stop it and lay the warrior's spirit to rest. I gathered some courage and confronted the creature, and after a long and intense battle, I was finally able to defeat it. I returned to the cave, and the spirit of the Native American warrior appeared before me, grateful for my help. He finally found peace and was able to move on to the afterlife. I emerged from the cave, battered and exhausted, but with a sense of accomplishment. Jasper National Park may be a place of breathtaking beauty, but it also holds secrets that are best left undisturbed. 
As a park ranger, it is my duty to protect the park and its visitors, and I will continue to do so, no matter what obstacles may come my way. I'm from South Jersey and spend a lot of time in the Pine Barrens camping, hiking, off-roading in my Jeep. I've started spending more time at Brendan T. Burns State Forest over the last few years because of the offered trails. There's a lake called Packing Pond along one of the main roads in the park, and it's a great place to go and park to look up at the stars. Something of note is that this state forest is very close, approximately 15 miles, from Joint Base McGuire or Fort Dix, to get right to it. I've seen strange, unexplainable lights in the trees in different areas of the forest. The first few times were while parked at Packing Pond and stargazing. I noticed small lights that would sometimes flicker or stay stationary just below the tree line, easily mistakable for stars. I didn't think much of it until I realized that during the daytime the tree line was high enough that there's no way I could have been seeing stars through the thick foliage tree line. I brought my wife with me the next time specifically to try to show her these strange lights, and sure enough they were there. Not in the same spots, they seemingly moved. Two years later, and I just went camping on Thanksgiving Eve with my old friend, and the park was pretty much empty because it was 30 degrees. All night long, I could see the lights in the trees below the tree line. They perplex me. I have no clue what they are. I can't find anything online about this, so I think I need to do my own investigation. I don't know what to think of them except possibly some sort of light being or fairies. That sounds ridiculous to say, but they seem paranormal in nature. Anyone have any ideas about what these are? Anyone have a similar experience in the Pine Barrens or anywhere else? Never figuring out what happened on this day has always bugged me. When I was about ten years old, my younger brother, a friend the same age as me, and I were riding our bikes from my friend's house back to mine. This happened in Florida in the wintertime. It was about 8 a.m. in the morning. The temperature was about 40 Fahrenheit, which is on the cold side for Florida. Mine and my friend's houses were about five miles apart. The trip could be done on sidewalks along well-traveled roads, but there was a shortcut along a secluded dirt road that ran parallel to the railroad tracks. The distance among this part was about one mile, but it would save about one half mile off the total trip. For this section, there were lots of bushes along the tracks, and sometimes hobos would sleep in the bushes. Our parents warned us not to take this route because there had been cases where the hobos had tried to abduct and possibly succeeded children and disabuse them. We always assumed that if the hobos tried that with us, we'd be able to get away. About halfway in the middle of this alternate route, which was the most secluded part of the trip, there was corn snake and a ceramic coffee mug in the middle of the dirt road. Being kids, naturally, we stopped to investigate. We poked the snake with a stick. And if it wasn't dead, it was a good actor. As if that wasn't strange enough, I picked up the coffee mug, which was filled to the brim with coffee and clearly had cream added to it, and the coffee was very hot. I got the creepiest feeling because I felt like we were being baited. I quietly told my brother and friend to get back on their bikes, and they didn't understand my sense of urgency. I held the coffee mug at the ready, 
and once they were on their bikes, I threw it into the bushes and told my brother and friend to book it, which they did. We never saw anyone, and to this day I still do not know how someone could have gotten hot coffee into such a secluded area. The hobos were known to make fires, but we did not see or smell one, and on a cold day like that, you can usually smell a fire from a good distance. Seriously. Knowing what I've told you, what's the most plausible explanation for what we saw that morning? The Gifford Pinchot National Forest in Washington is a sprawling expanse of natural beauty. Towering evergreens and lush undergrowth blanket the landscape, creating a serene haven for wildlife and nature enthusiasts alike. However, hidden within the depths of these woods, rumors persist of strange creatures that lurk, their presence unsettling to those who dare to venture too far. I am Randy, a park ranger, devoted father of two, and an occasional smoker. With my deep love for the outdoors and a strong sense of duty, I take immense pride in safeguarding the forest and ensuring the safety of its visitors. Little did I know that one routine patrol would forever change my perception of this tranquil haven. As I ventured deeper into the forest, my steps guided by familiarity, I stumbled upon an abandoned campground, a relic of bygone days left to decay beneath the weight of time. Intrigued by the enigmatic aura that clung to the site, I felt an irresistible pull to investigate further. The remnants of campfires, weathered tents, and rusted equipment whispered of the stories these grounds held, now lost to the echoes of the past. Examining the abandoned camp, my senses heightened, I noticed something unsettling. The bones scattered about lacked any remnants of flesh. It was clear that some creature had devoured the remains, leaving only bare skeletons behind. A chill ran down my spine, but curiosity mingled with unease, compelling me to stay and explore the mysteries that enshrouded the camp. As dusk settled, the moon emerged, casting an ethereal glow upon the deserted campground. An inexplicable stillness hung in the air, and the silence deepened my sense of isolation. Aware that my radio was inexplicably off, I made the decision to spend the night in one of the dilapidated houses, hoping to find shelter until I could contact my colleagues for a ride back. An hour passed, and a pungent scent permeated the air, sulfur mixed with acid, assaulting my senses. A low growl, both playful and bone-chilling, reached my ears, causing a shiver to ripple through me. Instinctively, I stepped outside, my gaze scanning the darkness with trepidation. There, before me, stood a creature that defied rational explanation. Its form resembled that of an animal, yet an otherworldly aura enveloped it. Without a second thought, I raised my firearm and squeezed the trigger, but the predator moved with uncanny speed, over one hundred miles per hour eluding my bullets with ease. In a split second, the creature pounced, knocking me to the ground, its grip vice-like around my leg. Panic surged within me as I fought against the merciless predator, its intention to drag me away from the safety of the camp. Feeling helpless and desperate, my trembling hand reached behind my boot, finding solace in the touch of a hidden knife. Summoning every ounce of strength, I swung upward, thrusting the blade deep into the creature's neck. 
The guttural cry pierced the night air, intertwining with my own anguished cries. As the creature released its hold, I scrambled to my feet, tears mingling with sweat, streaming down my face. Without sparing a glance back, I sprinted towards the road, my heart pounding in my chest. Fueled by adrenaline and fear, survival became my sole thought, leaving behind the enigma of the campground and the horrors that dwelled within its shadows. That night, forever etched into the depths of my soul, shattered my perceptions of the Gifford Pinchot National Forest. No longer a mere tranquil haven, it held a darker, more ominous presence in my mind, a reminder of the unseen dangers lurking within the beauty of nature. This happened back between 2009-2011, the people in the story are myself, my ex-girlfriend, who I will call Penny, and a friend who I will call Kyle. These aren't their real names. I don't feel comfortable sharing them online. My mother asked us to pick up her cat from the vet around 4 or 5 p.m. one night. As it was winter in the northern Midwest, it was getting dark at around this time, and it was already a bit of a drive to and back from the vet, because my mother lived out in the country and the vet was in town. At any rate, we went and got the cat without issue, and after we were to drop it off myself, Penny, and Kyle were going to go see a movie. We get back to my mother's house. The sun is already set for the most part, and it's quite cold. Kyle decided to help me carry the cat inside, while Penny kept the car running to keep the heater going. Kyle liked talking to my mother and wanted to see her before we headed back out to see the movie. Well, we're walking up to the house, and both Kyle and I stopped because we both got this weird feeling at the same time. We figured this out later when we were talking about it. The house is in front of us, and my mother's yard is behind us. It was a big farmhouse, so had a sprawling front yard. We both stood still. We felt frozen to the spot by this weird feeling, and I looked first and saw something standing behind us in the yard, and then Kyle looked too. The thing had to have been well over six feet three, because that's how tall Kyle is, and it was bigger than him. It had a hulking shape with more mass on top than the bottom like a hunchback, which kind of just tapered off into shadows, so I don't know if it had legs or what they might have looked like. The whole thing was pitch black, even in the dark. It had no eyes, no discernible features whatsoever as far as facial features go, but I could tell it was huge and very angry. It was just a feeling I was getting off of it that it was mad that we were there, and I could tell it was staring right at us. The only discernible features about it were it had horns, massive horns like antlers, sticking up off its head, the hunch in its back seemed to be lumpy and had irregular shapes sticking out of it, but because it was so dark I couldn't figure out what it was. Neither of us heard a sound from it. It just stood there and menaced us for what felt like minutes. But it can't have been that long. Kyle unfroze me from the spot, and the two of us darted into my mother's house and delivered her cat. We waited a bit, but... After looking outside, didn't see anything out there anymore, and after talking to my mother for a bit, we ran back outside, and Penny put on the gas, and we got out of there. We never saw it again after that, but to add a little background on my mother's house, it has always been haunted. The house that is standing there now is a newer build, the older farmhouse that had been there previously, 
had burned down and killed a young boy, a mother, and her older daughter. My mother has had issues with it for a long time. She's had the house blessed on several occasions, but nothing ever sticks. Friends who stay in the house have reported weird stuff happening to them as well. When I lived there, I also experienced some odd things, but this was the only time this happened. The house is situated in Indiana, near the Sugarloaf Mound, which was used by the Miami natives in Indiana's prehistory. Vocational Context I live on a farm on the side of a mountain in the middle of nowhere in British Columbia's interior. No cell service. Neighbors are beyond shouting distance. A very on-your-own lifestyle out here. My trailer is at the top of this property next to a barn surrounded 360 with forest except for the little road up here. The mountain Mount Ida has a long history with the aboriginal people of my area. I've been told stories of the mountain since I was a kid. Basically, the summary of every story is people are banished from the mountain because the spirits make it too dangerous. All sorts of weird things have been seen and have happened on this mountain. Last night, around 10.45 p.m., I heard three sets of sirens rush by the road. And out here, you never hear sirens. In my accumulative 15 years here, I've heard one siren, and it was earlier this week. Basically, it just intrigued me at that point. Wasn't until about half hour later or so when my power cuts out. I'm already in bed at this point. The lights were out. Only way I actually noticed was because I had no Wi-Fi. Now that's always a heart stopper. Because out here no Wi-Fi means I'm entirely on my own. This makes me anxious for sure, but I'm more worried that I won't be able to call the fire department if something catches on fire than anything. Then out of nowhere I hear this... Super sharp and loud cry, like a kid who just crashed on a bike. Hysterical crying from what sounds to be a young child. My dogs are going absolutely nuts at the door. Now, if you're familiar with cougars, well, you should know that they can often mimic a child crying, and scary accurately, too. So laying there, as the tension builds, I'm just telling myself it's a cougar. That's all it is, just a cougar. For me, that's the best-case scenario right now, that it's just a cougar. Dogs have finally calmed down, and I'm still just trying to get some shut-eye when I hear the second sound. This was an ungodly sound that I'd never heard in my life. This one sounded like a mix of every horror movie monster all in one. I can't even describe it. It was about five seconds of pure screeching, like a demonic banshee with the vocal cords of a T-Rex. The boss to it shook my bed. It was as if there was a concert-sized sound system hiding in the forest, blasting zombie vomit. I could taste my heartbeat at this point. My dogs are acting like rabies ridden pit bulls towards the door, snarling and growling like whatever just screamed was on the other side of the door. I didn't know what to do at that point. Couldn't call or get in contact with anyone. Lights are all off. I'm just laying there in the dark, utterly and completely scared. I was not about to get up and go investigate. It's the middle of winter, of course, too. I just laid there checking my phone every 30 seconds, seeing if the Wi-Fi came back. Nothing else came after, though. Just ended up falling asleep at some point. As of this morning, everything is back to normal. Nothing creepy going on. Power's back on. Made a post in the local FBI group. Nobody else in the area heard anything, and only a few lost power as well as me. 
So take it as you will. Cougar in heat. Bigfoot coming out of hibernation. Thousand-year-old native ghost trying to get me off his land. I'm not a very paranormal guy, and I have no idea what it could have been at this point. Would love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or questions. From 2013 to 2019, I worked in outdoor education at many different summer camps and outdoor education centers in Canada, mostly Ontario, but I did spend a season in the Rocky Mountains. Having grown up going to sleep, away camp, and eventually participating in month-long leadership programs with back country canoeing components, I was well prepared to lead a group of teen girls from a camp in Georgian Bay on a two-week camping trip in the Timagami region during my first year as a counselor. The Timagami region is located between North Bay, Sudbury, and Timmins, Ontario. This region is home to many provincial parks, wonderful hiking and canoeing routes, and the Bear Island Indian Reserve. Our route was fairly typical and beginning the Whitefish Falls region, ending at Highway 11 after 14 days of paddling, portaging, hiking, and campfire making. We had a satellite phone to check in with our camp director every day, and in case of an emergency, we also had multiple exit points along the route. Until our second to last night, we were having fun and a relatively uneventful time, besides some mild dehydration and the usual bumps and bruises. Near the end of our trip, we were doing some free camping on the shore of an uninhabited island in Bear Lake that is recognized as part of the Bear Island Indian Reserve. It's a beautiful area, and we were across from the main island that the majority of the 250-person population inhabits. We had put out the fire and gone to bed when about an hour after falling asleep. I was jarred awake by the sound of a loud motorboat. Obviously, this isn't that weird because it's a large lake and many people use boats to reach the mainland or their homes on secluded islands. However, it was around 11 p.m. and things had been quiet for the last few hours. The motor could cut out and I could clearly hear the sounds of an argument. It sounded like at least one man and a woman, and they were very angry and yelling at each other, although I couldn't hear anything specific because they were too far offshore. Suddenly the woman screamed, and I heard a splash into the water, and then complete silence. At this point, I was pretty freaked out and hoping to God that my girls hadn't woken up. But I wasn't that lucky because I could immediately hear talking from their tent and could tell they were scared. I was about to unzip my door and look out to see if maybe the boaters had had an accident or something when my whole tent lit up. The light slowly panned across me and onto the tent my girls were in. That immediately made them quiet. In a normal volume, I was able to tell them to stay absolutely still. The light panned back to my tent and then over to theirs again. I can only guess that it must have been some sort of boat with a searchlight on it. If anyone has any ideas of what that type of boat could be, let me know. After an eternity that was really only about five minutes, the light was turned off and I heard the motor engage and fade as the boat drove away from us. I immediately found the satellite phone and called our camp director who gave us the phone number for the local police. I called them and they said they would forward the information I gave to the local native detachment on Bear Island. I don't think any of us slept that night. And I got up at 5-8. Um, 
to take my canoe out and take a look around. I thought maybe someone had fallen overboard and had managed to swim to shore. Obviously, I didn't find anyone, and there was nothing floating in the water either, although it is a pretty deep body of water. None of us wanted to camp one more night, so I called the camp and had them head out to the pickup point a day early. We paddled like hell and didn't really talk much. I think none of us really wanted to speculate about what we might have heard and what would have happened if we'd made noise or moved when that light was on our tents. I have thought about this a lot over the years, but whenever I've told people the story, they've been quite skeptical. I recently started looking into missing person cases in the area, but without much luck. If anyone reading this is familiar with indigenous issues in Canada, though, there is an epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women, and these cases usually go unreported or unsolved. Before we can begin, I need to tell you about the man in question. Otherwise, it won't make that much sense. This man is a decorated war vet with two tours, one in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. He also murdered a man by strangling him to death in a wrestling match. So by no means a normal human being, this man in particular was driving freight through LBL he had to take out of state. It was dusk with the sun starting to go under the horizon, but still enough light to see things. The man had been driving for about seven hours and was pretty sleepy. When out of nowhere, he heard the potter-patter of heavy footsteps outside his window. It was then a giant wolf head filled up the entire window of his truck. The dogman gave the dogman a big smile in an attempt to intimidate him, totally unfazed by the huge wolf creature. He calmly reaching into his glove compartment and pulled out a Taurus Judge pistol, which is a shit-gun revolver he used for self-defense. He put the gun about half a foot from the thing's cranium. The dogman eyes widened as he gave him a... Oh, shit, I screwed up. If he had, getting him a half a second more, he might have escaped, but the vet immediately pulled the trigger. The man said he saw gray matter spray out of the back of the thing's head as the dogman dropped like a sack of potatoes. The man looked in his mirror to see another dogman dragging the first one off. My nephew, an electrician in Portland, heard this on the job. Two electricians who'd gone on annual fall hunting trips with a group of fellow electricians for several years bowed out of one year's trip at the last minute and were reluctant to say why. This after they'd taken time off to hunt and bought tags. A year later, they again declined to go on the annual hunting trip. One evening after work, one of them was drinking in a tavern when he was pressed as to why he and the other fellow no longer wanted to hunt with their buddies. Reluctantly, he told of the following encounter. These two fellows had gone up in the area to be hunted to do a little pre-trip scouting. After spending the afternoon cruising logging roads, they pulled over on a ridge to watch the sunset, smoke and talk. They'd been there a while, sitting in the truck smoking. It had gotten dark when they heard footsteps through the forest passing down one side of the truck, then crunching gravel as it circled out of the woods in front of the truck and stopped. They turned on the headlights to see a giant creature crouched down some distance in front of the truck facing them. It stood up, and in a panic they started the truck, threw in in reverse, spun it around, and very nearly backed over the embankment. 
The rear tires actually went over, and they had to slam it into four WD to pull it out. They fled. On the job the next day, the other fellow, confronted with the story, confirmed it, but wouldn't discuss it. I'd separated from my elk hunting party on Green Ridge on the second morning of eld season. I left them a note to where I was going because the elk were thick in the wickiup area the previous year. We weren't seeing anything, and I thought I would have better luck if I drove down there. I was driving an FSRD 700 and slowed down as the roads are somewhat narrow. The roads at FSRD 900. I slowly proceeded to make a right turn and checked for any other rigs that might be coming from the east. I seen then something walking down the middle of the road. I only ignored it for a split second. I stopped. Slapped my truck in reverse and backed up to the tee in the road and took a second look. After over twenty-five years of hunting, I never had to question anything in the clear like this. I observed what I thought was someone out on a walk, but noticed the stride the creature took was steady and calm. I looked for clothes, a rifle, hat, anything to question otherwise. Well, I seen none whatsoever. I also noticed the height was much taller than a human. It was very black. It was walking straight towards me. I estimated about 450 yards yet ever take a few between me and it. I totally forgot about my rifle with me, which is chambered with a .308-150GR LOD with telescopic sights. I was mesmerized by what I was actually seeing. As it approached with a steady pace of closing distance, it started to make a turn to my left. The arms were long, almost down to the knees. I could not make out the gender, but I did notice it was slightly slouched over. It straightened to full height, and taking about two half from the center of the road, disappeared in the trees. No sounds were made. I had come to the conclusion, without doubt, I had just witnessed a Bigfoot in the wilderness. I had reason to believe the height was about eight, nine feet tall, very broad shoulders. I am sorry, but I wasn't curious enough to go get a closer look for tracks, etc. I didn't want to take a chance on it turning on me, as some have been known to do. Although in an area not too far from there, I hunted for a short while. Problem was, there was neither a hint of a bird, squirrel, or even a chipmunk. This is unusual in a hunting situation. I am thankful that in my case my encounter was distant enough to go a different direction, and he can go his. I haven't really gone down there since. This is my first official report of going on the record about this. Anyone who knows me well will tell you I'm a very credible person, and this is a subject I take seriously. There was a report on the news about one year earlier, almost exactly of an encounter with another elk hunter near Lapine. I'm a Josh, a Navy SEAL trained to face the toughest situations and confront the most dangerous enemies. But there's one mission that haunts me to this day, and I feel it's time to come clean about what I experienced. It all began when I was called in for a highly confidential mission in Wyoming. I was briefed that there had been a series of unexplained deaths in the area, over 100 people killed by some unknown force. The government suspected a new unknown creature was behind it all. Our orders were clear. Confirm the existence of this creature and eliminate it if possible. 
We were a team of six, all trained for encounters with the unknown, and we were ready for anything. Or so we thought. We arrived in Wyoming and started our investigation, talking to locals and gathering any information we could find. Some folks spoke of an old Native American legend, a monstrous beast that would stalk and hunt its prey with ruthless efficiency. Others claimed it was a government experiment gone wrong. As we dug deeper, we found a pattern to the killings. The victims were always found in remote wooded areas, their bodies mutilated beyond recognition. We decided to set a trap for this creature, using ourselves as bait. We set up camp deep in the woods and took turns on watch. For the first few nights there was nothing. But on the fourth night, as I stood guard, I heard something in the darkness. A low, guttural growl that sent chills down my spine. I signaled the rest of the team, and we moved out, weapons at the ready. We tracked the sound, our senses heightened, and adrenaline pumping. Suddenly the creature burst out from behind a tree, and we caught our first glimpse of it. It was unlike anything we'd ever seen. A massive, muscular beast, standing at least nine feet tall, with razor-sharp claws and teeth that could tear a man apart in seconds. Its eyes glowed an eerie red, and it let out a blood-curdling roar that echoed through the forest. We opened fire, but it seemed unfazed by the barrage of bullets. It lunged at us, and we scattered, fighting for our lives. One by one, my team members fell to the creature's brutal attacks. I kept firing, my heart pounding in my chest, knowing I was the last man standing. Finally, a well-placed shot hit the creature in the head, and it stumbled, roaring in pain. I took the opportunity to unload every round I had left into the beast, and it collapsed to the ground, lifeless. I stood there, panning and covered in blood, surrounded by the bodies of my fallen comrades. We'd confirmed the existence of the creature, but the cost had been too high. I returned home, haunted by the mission and the friends I'd lost. The government covered up the incident, and then I was sworn to secrecy. But now I can't stay silent any longer. The people need to know the truth, that there are things out there that defy explanation, and sometimes even the most elite soldiers can't stop them.